Hello and welcome to the DFS Coach Talk Podcast. Today is Saturday, March 28th, and I am Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach, and I am joined with my number one partner in crime, our GPP basketball pro and NFL analyst and do it all, uh, get it done, and be the best. That's our man, Mike Apatria. How are you, Michael? Uh, coach, you make it hard for me to be humble over here. No, uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I uh, love doing these nice morning shows with you. I think this is the one thing that we both look forward to. We love doing all shows, but uh, these nice Saturday morning shows where we have our coffees, we're freshly awake, uh, ready to get after it. So that's exactly what I'm here for. I'm ready to talk about some team action. Uh, one of my favorite parts about basketball outside of the fantasy realm is just breaking down this stuff analytically, noticing some trends. And it's been something we've been able to do since we started these team shows. We have, man. It's been fun. And I'll tell you, I agree with you. The Saturday, Sunday morning shows, it's just something about uh, when the when sports are going, just being up early, not having, you know, work, work and being able to focus and really get the, the process in place that we always talk about, that three-step process to providing uh, that lineup and then winning. And it's just, you know, we were talking a little bit uh, before the show. It's just so it's such unprecedented, bizarre times in this world, though, and we still sit here. Uh, it's almost April, and we have not got one single clue when sports are going to come back. And it's it's weird for, for people like me that are perfectionists, that everything has to be dated, timed, you know, when this is coming, it's calendared, blah, blah, blah. And it, it takes all of that control away from you. It is really weird stuff, man. It's just rolling with the punches, baby. That's all. We're, that's all we're doing right now. It's uh, you know we're all in a little bit of a dark, mysterious time. We don't know what to expect and when to expect it. So, uh, you know, be uh, be over prepared. You know, prepare for the worst, expect the best, or hope for the best. Is that the saying? Uh, I always make my own anyway. But I know you. Uh, well, look, so, I think that's in your book on page three yeah, of uh, yeah. apotryisms. <laughs> You know, it is what it is right now, and uh, we're just gearing up over here, getting ready to get started once it does start back up. We're, we know we'll be prepared, so uh, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. We're trying to bring the entertainment to the people who need the entertainment, and I think everybody needs a little entertainment right now. Oh, we're so excited, too, though. I mean, we've got such a fantastic uh, member base at DFS Coach Talk already. It's just uh, it's amazing, and, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, you know, we can't – we have to do all the social distancing – and it's difficult. You don't feel that camaraderie with people and stuff because you're all separated. But, you know, to get in our discord and be able to talk with everybody and kid around and, you know, get in some of those simulated contests and just have fun with it. You know, hey, you need every little distraction you can get in these days. Yep. And distracting is what I do best, coach. I'm easily distracted. I've, I've, I have ADHD. I said that in every single report card I've ever had. Your child is easily distracted. He cannot sit still. Uh, and then you can imagine what my life turned into once I found out what coffee was. So oh, good I, I, I'm even uh, it helps me stay hyper focused when I'm doing something. But it also uh, I can't sit still, man. I'm always pacing around. So if you've ever been on a phone call with me, coach, odds are I've been burning a hole in my carpet. In I, my living I, room. I, I can sort of feel that energy there. It's like 
I want to do that commercial Red Bull. You've, yeah. you've got wings kind of thing. But uh, <laughs> I'm with you, man. I do have to tell one story, and it's funny because, you know, off air, we're just talking about this is such a great developmental time for DFS Coach Talk to – you know, we got out to such a great start, and we're so excited when sports comes back. And we're just trying to tweak everything and make it really, uh, really, really strong for everybody out there so that as we grow, it's just a positive thing. So, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, getting into the material for the day sooner, and here we are, chit-chat, and I've already got another story. So, you know, that lasted about five minutes, Mike, but it's okay. Uh, we love we, we know our, our listeners love some of the stories. I just wanted to give one upbeat thing because I know everybody's sort of starting to feel like the walls are closing a little bit. Did you hear about the 102 year old lady in Italy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one that so she she uh, let me see if I can get this correct. I don't want to butcher the news, but I yeah. believe she was one of the she was alive and had the flu when it like first a certain strand of the flu when it. You That's know, correct. Back in like World War Two when it came around popping. Uh, way, and then way before World War Two. Yeah, man. way before. Yes. She's one hundred and two years old and she survived the Spanish flu. That's what it was. Yes. In 2000 or I'm sorry, uh, 1918 was the Spanish flu. Yes. She was born in 1917 and she's one hundred and two. So she contracted this, you know, coronavirus, went in the hospital at one hundred and two. And three weeks later, she's out. She's fine. She's walking around healthy. <laughs> and they, she had some of the antibodies of in her body from when she beat the Spanish flu as an infant uh, in 1918. I just thought that was mind-boggling to, you know, there's so many people out there terrified. And, and it is a scary thing. But, hey, look at this lady, man. She's buckling it up at 102. And we so, can't even uh, we can't even get Anthony Davis to finish a game. And this lady's <laughs> out here destroying Deathly diseases by herself. I I'm mean. gonna get a big giant billboard of that lady's picture, and when he's shooting foul shots, I'm gonna wave it in front of the the uh, thing. I think that would that, that we could have the if he's in here playing the Mavs, we got the way to beat him. I, think. I want like I want to get a blood transfusion with her. I want some <laughs> of that good stuff, man. Uh, whatever whatever she's got going on in there seems to be working. So uh, you know maybe we can get a little bit of a little bit over to Anthony Davis's shoulder. Uh, you know, a little bit over there to somebody else's knees. Uh, HG, and, yeah. What is it? HGH, uh, blood injections and all that stuff. I don't know what. Yep. That's. It's it's blood grandma. Doping. It's GG. Yeah. It's grandma grow, uh, growth hormones. GGH is what we need. That's G-G-H. that's what we need. We need I'm a sure as, as, uh, Lance Armstrong was cycling through Italy, he probably tapped into that a little bit. Oh, that's his first stop, man. That's uh, that's <laughs> like his. He pulls over in there. He gets a quick shot. Next thing you know, he's winning a couple Tour de Frances. He's all the, you know. I, I got to get me some of that, coach. I'm looking for it, but hey, you know what? It's all right. All right, we we did our normal deal of. You're not getting right straight to the subject. But as you know, our wonderful listeners out there and our audience is still growing even through this craziness. And uh, we we are taking two teams a day and we're just breaking it down to, you know, sort of where that team is now, what we anticipate when they come back, uh, the, the impact that these players will have in DFS. And again, this is one of those scenarios. No other providers doing this except us. And I know it's a lot more sexy right now to talk about League of Legends and betting on that or, you know, doing some of this simulation stuff and getting all into that. But, you know, we always try to be the most prepared by far and have 
that extra secret sauce of us understanding the game and constantly learning and digging in. And this is part of it. You know, we're doing two teams a day in the NBA uh, and going through them so that if we're taking notes and remembering, uh, you know, or saving some of these for prior to when the season really gets started, you can use this information to build a better DFS lineup right out of the shoot. And in Andrew and Michael and I are uh, three NBA pros at, at DFS Coach Talk have talked about it, and we're feeling the consensus is there will be some regular season games played prior to the playoffs starting. Uh, whether there, each team has about 16 games left or somewhere in that neighborhood, 17, but we think it's probably going to be maybe 10-ish something like that. So there is going to be a small window, but a good window to really take some big stuff down. So today's two teams are the Washington Wizards and the Orlando Magic. And my man Apatria has the Orlando Magic. And you are leading off, our leadoff hitter. Since you, I've seen you drop down a bunch of bun singles, you can uh, hit the Magic here. Absolutely. Uh, definitely not a bunt single kind of guy. I was I was a walk, uh, walk, a slaps, a slap double or just striking out. I was not a great leadoff hitter. I was quick, though. So I lower that way shoulder. I think I can see you lowering the shoulder and taking one for the team. Uh, no, I actually it's another story that we'll get to another day. Um, but uh, no, I learned my lesson doing that the hard way against uh, my freshman year in high school. Going right. against an all-state pitcher that threw about 89 miles an hour at 14 years old, so uh, oh. that's for a diff- that's for a different story, but as, a different story for a different Sounds day. Sounds very painful. Yeah, uh, one, it went off the ribs. It went off the ribs. Let's just say Oops. I I didn't uh, I had to rub it. They always say don't rub it when you get the first yeah. base. I, I rubbed it and uh, I felt it. But uh, the magic <laughs> back back to where. So the magic, uh, obviously, uh, Easter Conference playoff team, surprisingly, uh, coming yes. in right now at the eighth seed. Looks like they pretty much have that locked in uh, five and a half game lead on the Wizards, uh, which you will be getting to shortly. But a 30 yeah. and 35 record. So not the best record, not the best team, um, you know, tail of the tape with the magic. And as far as DFS and things that we've known, uh, the way that they played over over the past you know two seasons, probably about now. Uh, is that they like to slow the game down. So they're 26th in pace. They they try to win this game at a slow pace, and they try to use their defensive prowess. They're the 10th ranked uh, defensive team in the NBA, um, and their offensive rating is not their best suit at 24th. So they're a grinded-out yeah. team. They're a team that we know when other teams come in there, they generally get a, a, a pace-down approach when they're facing them. But we love to target the Magic against those pace-up teams like the Hawks, uh, the Nets, Houston, Minnesota. Those are the types of matchups that we really kind of see the Magic thrive in. But um, they've been a tale of two tapes so far this season coach and it's one tape with his uh prior to the all-star break and when jonathan isaac was healthy and then yeah. following the all-star break uh with you know no jonathan isaac and then also talking about uh, a snubbed aaron gordon so when i look at the magic there's there's five players that we generally take into consideration it's vucevic it's evan fournier markel fultz aaron gordon uh, and Terrence Ross. And then you can even throw in DJ Augustine now that he's coming back into the mix. We kind of seen him start to get a little bit of uh, a little extra run uh, before the season kind of got halted. He was playing about 26 minutes a game, 25 minutes a game. And we know that he can be a decent value play in the right matchups uh, when we're looking at him. But I wanted to touch on the usage of this team. And it's it's like I said, the tale of two halves and Vucevic prior to Isaac going down uh, 25.8 usage rate. When he did go down, he's looking at 27 uh, Fournier, yeah. 20 
24.2, exact same usage, actually, uh, with Isaac off the floor. And that's what I wanted to get to. You're mm. not going to see a big usage bump for anybody ever since Isaac left. And it's not because – it's simply, actually, because Isaac's not a, an offensive threat necessarily. A lot of his work gets done on the defensive end. It gets done right. in, the, in rebounds. It gets done in a couple assists here and there. He's a scrappy guy that does a little bit of everything. So what you're going to notice is not a lot of big usage spikes, but you're going to see stat spikes. And the reason that is is because Isaac took a lot of space up into the paint. Uh, it takes a lot of a lot of space with him and Vucevic. And then you also talk about Aaron Gordon, who's traditionally a power forward that they tried to let play small forward. So right. he's one guy that I wanted to specifically touch on. And it's just prior to the All-Star break, he was averaging 14.2 points, 3.1 assists, 7.3 boards with .5 blocks. Uh, it, you could say it's because Isaac's off the floor and now he's got uh, more room to work with. Um, or you could say it's because he got snubbed because of the dunk contest that he could have should have clearly won. But his his stats after the All-Star break, Coach, he's getting 1.4 more points. He's getting 1.8 more rebounds. He's getting 0.8 more blocks. So he's up to 1.3 blocks. So he's definitely playing wow. more aggressive. But the stat I want to show is 6.8 assists, Coach. So he's getting 3.7 more following the all-star break and we're seeing a more of a point forward Aaron Gordon and that's what the big change in his value I mean this is a guy that we did not even want to touch basically going into the all-star break uh an afterthought for season long and for DFS but he's been coming out of the all-star break and he's been playing with fire he's been playing more point forward and a lot of it I think has to do with Isaac being off the floor he's taking better shots he's not taking any more shots than he was when Isaac was there but he's just taking better shots when Isaac was on the floor he was taking about four three-pointers a game and that's because he had to kind of sit there behind the arc with Isaac and Vucevic in the paint uh that went down to 3.4 three-pointers a game and he's taking a lot more shots in the paint a lot more dunk finishes so I think that he's the guy that we want to keep our focus on because Vucevic, yes, he's Vucevic. He's going to crush it. But we're paying for that price tag. Yeah, every expensive. Yeah. Every, and, and when you look at these matchups, um, the, the matchups that you see Vucevic pop off the page are the same matchups that Gordon pops off the page. And you can almost guarantee Gordon's ownership is is always going to be a little bit less than Vucevic's. Um, yeah. So I, I, that's that's the main thing I've noticed with Aaron Gordon. Um, he's probably going to be my favorite player I'm looking to target when we're coming in there. Hopefully he still has that extra fire kind of running through him. But needless to say, it's not just because he got snubbed. It's it's this Jonathan Isaac news makes um, a massive, a massive difference. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll go to the next player that I like to talk about. And it's I was just touching on him. It's Vucevic. Yeah. Um, one of the league's best centers. And, and it's not even close right now. I mean, he's he's tied for third amongst centers in points per game at 19 and a half points. Um, the other center he's technically tied with isn't even a center. It's Julius Randle. He plays more power forward. So he's easily one of the best. And then, you know, the rebounds are there for him um, yeah. every single every single game. He's he's pretty much been a staple in his uh, in his career ever since he played over at Philly, where you're basically guaranteed a double double uh, night in and night out. But the, the thing I wanted to mention is that he, like Gordon, is an assist machine. He's fifth in in uh, the league among centers in assists. He's averaging three point center uh, three point seven assists per game. Nice. That doesn't seem like much, but it just goes to show you that a lot of this usage is not going to flow through the point guard's hands. Yes, Markel Fultz has kind of remade a name for himself over there and has been playing excellent since he's joined Orlando. Uh, but he's not necessarily the distributor. We're seeing a lot of this offense run through Gordon as as the point forward and then run through Vucevic on the block. Um, yeah. So there's two things I'm noticing. I don't really want to touch these guards. I've never been a big Markel Fultz guy in DFS. I know you kind of hit on him here and there, and you've actually 
done well with yeah. him on, on certain nights. You kind of pinpoint those matchups. But if you're looking for reliable options night in and night out, it's two of them. It's Vucevic and it's Aaron Gordon. And if you want a couple tournament GPP flyers in the right matchups, that's when you're going to look at your guys like Evan Fournier, maybe going against the Kings. You always hear me talk about shooting guards going against the Kings. Right. Um, same thing with Fultz. Maybe the, uh, they're, they're playing like the Rockets or they're playing like the Nets or one of those matchups that you can thrive in. That's when you want to look at them. Uh, but these other two guys, they're essentially matchup proof. But uh, I'll be targeting Aaron Gordon against any high-paced matchup. He just He's thrived against Atlanta three games this season. He's averaging 20 points, 8.7 rebounds, 4.5 assists. Uh, the Nets in two games, 19, two and a half assists, 12 boards. Same thing with Houston and Minnesota in two games. Absolutely crushing them. It's these matchups. It's not happening by accident. He thrives in these matchups, and those are the ones I'm going to target when we uh, when we come back from this. Nice, man. Wow, great lot of information just trying wow. to take just, a few notes. And uh, I think your, your point on Aaron Gordon is very well taken, and I think – uh, putting a star by his name because he did turn it up another level um, and and was playing really well. Now, again, you know, we're in uncharted waters. Does he come back and it's the fire still burning or because it's been such a layoff that he's got to build up again? Because he's not a fast starter in the regular NBA season. He seems to be a guy historically that's done better as the season's gone on. And so something to keep an eye on there. I love your point about Jonathan Isaac, and I want to chirp in with that because I had seen an interview uh, with with coach down there. And he he said, uh, we never run any plays for Jonathan. None. We just everything he gets gets is either through defense and transition or offensive rebounding or he's, you know, stepping back off a screen, you know, but they run the majority of their plays for Vuk and for Gordon. And then Isaac, even though he's so good, is just picking up all the different scraps. And I think that's a good point to make because if he comes back, because that, you know, again, we have no reporting on all these guys that were injured, how long, if there any of them are going to even try to play this year or not. So that's the real, you know, busy work we're going to do when they announce a date, when they're going to come back. But I love Jonathan Isaac. I think that he is, uh, one of the best defenders and well-kept secrets in the league. And I think uh, your point was spot on. I don't think his play or playing or not playing is going to affect any, you know, it, in other words, don't let him coming back scare you from playing Vuk or Gordon because he's not going to really scoop much, if any, of their usage because uh, he's just going to do. Coach. Uh, he can't come back this season. Oh, he's there's, not? Okay. No, there's no way. Isaac cannot come back this season no matter what. Okay. Um, they, uh, I, I believe it was maybe like a couple weeks prior to the season basically getting shut down. Um, they placed him, I believe, on like injured, uh, their injured reserve or whatever you call it. Um, basically saying that no matter what, even if they make playoffs, he can't come back. They're uh, injury exempt. They tried to file okay. for him to be injury exempt, and they, uh, the league did not approve of it, so he's done for the year. Interesting. Yeah. Now, see, this here's another point, though, where, again, you know, normally we're experts on this and we can tell you all the details. But guess what? We've never lived through anything like this before. So, you know, I've heard rumblings within the NBA uh, of the possibility of larger benches having maybe a 17 man roster and doing all kinds of different things. Because they don't know the fitness of people coming back. They don't know. I mean, there's so many unknowns. So a lot of the rules may be changed. They may reevaluate rosters. So I wouldn't 
I would say I get I appreciate you bringing that up, and you're probably right, but I wouldn't say anything is for sure at this point because if they don't start, let's say until something odd like September, uh, you know, I think they just sort of reshuffle all the rules and create exemptions for just about everything. You know what I'm saying? Um, they could, they could very well do that. Uh, I think that there might be some pushback from some teams who aren't benefiting from it. So they would probably want to keep it as, you know, as fair as possible. They wouldn't want to give an edge to the magic who is going to be in playoffs. Let's keep in mind. So now you're giving a team that, um, you know, is going into playoffs with, with an edge. So I don't, I don't know necessarily if they would go as far as allowing players who are, were ruled out for the season to necessarily come back now that they're a little healthier. I don't even know if the magic would want to risk that. Knowing yeah, that, there's a, uh, and, yeah, but they are in the playoffs, so you never know. Yeah, it's, very, it's true, very true. Yeah. Very true. You know, I, I listen. I, I my attitudes changed a little bit since yesterday because I listened to the Woj pod because uh, you know Doris Burke. I love Doris Burke. She uh, tested positive for coronavirus, so he had her on talking about it, and it was very interesting. And I was doing things around the house, so I left it automatically went to the next pod. And he, he was uh, interviewing the the president of the Denver Nuggets, a real sharp guy. He's been around the league for quite some time. And he talked about that they're having a sidebar discussion each, uh, each day with all the you know, presidents and general managers from the clubs just talking about all of these things. And they're talking about everything from, you know, uh, the, the moving the season to start at Christmas every year and then run through the summer to go against baseball. They're talking about Silver's uh, midseason tournament. They're talking about how the draft's going to uh, they're going to switch as far as when they have the combines and do the draft and on and on and on. In other words, you know, everything that they've ever done in the past. And that, that was this guy's point is. They, you just can throw that away right now because everything's about to change. Because however, you know, they've even talked about playing some of the finals, uh, if not all of the finals, at a neutral site, just in a lockdown with no fans. So it's, I mean, I don't believe anything's off the table. And that's what makes this, you know, I like to prepare and know all the facts. We don't know the facts. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's like flying blind right now, but I just wanted to bring that up to say, you know, we're going to talk about all these things on the shows as we go forward, but all bets are off right now because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how they're going to do this mm-hmm. and how they're going to shuffle it out. And uh, it's going to be me, interesting, uh, Mike. Let me, let me just paint a, a, a quick picture then on how I would look at the magic if for some reason that Jonathan Isaac were to be able to play. Um, that would actually affect the way I look at Gordon. So I know that we just talked about usage, but I did talk about the way that Gordon started playing uh, once Isaac went down. And I, I'm i a believer in that, the all-star direct snub thing. Yeah. The dunk contest, oh, yeah. That, that right. had nothing to do with it, in my opinion. I think it's just a direct correlation of the way that the Magic have to approach the way that they play now. Um, like yeah. I said, Gordon's taken less three-pointers ever since Isaac uh, went down, and that's simply because he can he can create more opportunity playing that point forward. He has more space in the paint, um, you know, and he, his blocks even went up, and it's simply because he's playing in the paint more. That was a spot where Isaac was cemented, uh, you know, their best defensive player. And then it's not like Vucevic is guarding too many centers out on the perimeter. So a lot of that got clogged. So we started seeing more defensive stats for Gordon once Isaac went down. 
down. We started seeing better shot attempts from him, better field goal percentage. His field goal percentage increased by 5% once Isaac went down. So a lot of that, I think, came from just the the actual space he's taking up on the floor and the way that they used him defensively uh, created less opportunities for Gordon, which I expect there, you know, this is what we're seeing, not necessarily a guy that's uh, a little pissed off because he didn't win the dunk contest. I'm sure right. he is here. He, he said he's never going to do another one again. Uh, yeah. But I think it's just a product of, of just not having Isaac on the floor. So if he does come back, I think you, you look at the guys like Isaac, obviously you look at Vucevic because uh, his usage, you know what he's getting. Yeah, maybe the rebounds dip a little bit, but you're still going to get a shot attempts. He's still going to take his threes. He's still going to be that guy. Uh, and then I think you look at the, you know, the guys like Evan Fournier in the off spots. Um, I probably wouldn't have any interest in Gordon on, on most nights if Isaac comes back. Wow. See, I don't know if I'd overreact that much just based on the fact that Gordon still has a real executed role on offense. They're going to run more things for him. But I get your point. I mean, Isaac's going to steal some of those rebounds and maybe even a few of the blocks and all of that from them just something to put an asterisk by i mean right now i think gordon's a good guy to play when you come back i think vuk's one of the most underrated guys in the league for the last 10 years no one ever talks about vuk as far as one of the best centers in the league very much at all but he's just statistically and dfs wise he just produces year after year after year just steady as a rock and you know, he's expensive in DFS, but against teams that don't defend uh, centers well, you got to consider Vuk on any given night. One other p- thing I want to mention is I use Fultz uh, a lot, and he helped me take some stuff down. But it was two things. Augustine was hurt, and Michael Carter-Williams were, was hurt. And so it pretty much fell on Fultz's shoulders to really dominate the, po- the point guard spot. Once you saw Augustine come back, it it hurt him a little bit. But really the key guy, and nobody paid attention to it, but Michael Carter-Williams was a direct huge hit on Fultz's stats because those additional minutes that Fultz was playing, Michael Carter-Williams, they love him. He plays like half the game, and that takes away uh, from Fultz and Augustine. And I think with all three of those guys healthy, I I always just – skip right past the magic backcourt so and i'm just uh, you know fournier drives me crazy because he's one of those guys that we talk about all the time we each have a small list of guys that you just can't get the damn guy right and he's just bizarre because he is points dependent which i hate playing guys points dependent but he will throw up a 40 burger when you're not expecting it but then as soon as you roster him it's you know He's got 16 real points and 18 DFS points. So he's a guy that I, I don't count on very much. But just wanted to chirp in with my magic. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I don't want to keep harping back on Gordon, but I'm going to stay firm on my stance, Coach. I, do, I, I don't want people to forget how bad he was playing when Isaac was on the floor. You're talking about Eric Gordon, right? No, I'm no. just kidding. <laughs> just, trying to mess, just trying to mess with you. Yeah, he was playing, and it, he looked lost, and – I know you. I know you touched on him being um, a slow starter necessarily, and it, it actually wasn't the case last season. Last season, I don't know if you remember, he was shooting like 43% from three pointer for the first two months, and then it kind of, as the season went on, it started to trail back off and, and became, uh, you know, one of the averages. They they wanted him for years to play out of position. They wanted him to play small forward, but he's just not a small forward. He's a power well, they, forward, they, and they, he's playing his natural drafted, position. They drafted Mo Bamba thinking they could play 
Luke at the five, a four, I think. And yeah, move it's just one of those three. cases of like they want to just get the best player and play the best players, and and doesn't matter where they're playing. But bottom line is Gordon thrives at power forward. He's a much better power forward than he is center. He's able to take advantage of these poor, like you know, weaker front courts and smaller centers and things like that when he is playing the four. And he's not yeah. able to do that when he's playing the three. They 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 make him sit up there and spot out at the three point line. I mean, it doesn't sound like much, but taking point six. Uh, less three pointers a game is actually significant. That's a lot. It is a lot. Um, it is. So, you know, that's kind of my, that's my, my take on this is that uh, he, he just playing his natural positioning, being able to do this is where he's going to thrive. So I'm going to stand pat and firm. If, right. if we do see Isaac, I'm not touching him, man. I won't do it. I had him in season long leagues. I was facing that, that, that pain every night of looking at those stat lines of the poor shooting percentages. Cause he's Sucks. trying to take five, three pointers a game. And, He's yeah. not that type of player. No, he doesn't need to be chucking the three. He's such a fantastic slasher and so explosive to the basket. I mean, he can jump over the damn mascot sitting in a in a sitting position. I mean, it's not too hard to exactly. To it's hard over. to jump over two of your own teammates when they're seven footers too. That's what, well, what mean, about so. Taco Fall, dude? The guy he jumped over Taco Fall and that lost. That was awesome. That was so awesome. One of the greatest things I've I've seen. I want next year. Contest. Next year, if he ever comes back, put if he can line up Boban and uh, and Taco and take them both, <laughs> jump over both of them. You know, Taco's taller than Boban though. Yeah, that's Boban's what's unbelievable. Just, Boban, they're both just hilarious. I love them. I love those types of guys. You guys are a riot. All right, let's rock it, man. I'm going right into the Washington Wizards, and you're going to be surprised, Mr. Apatry. They're 24 and 40, another terrible season. I'm not the biggest Scotty Brooks fan as a coach, but I'll tell you something. I saw some things from the Wizards, and I know we get a little jaded in DFS when there's teams that we focus on. The Wizards were the DFS darling because they don't play any defense at all. Terrible defensive team. Their games are the highest scoring games in the league, and all DFS players gravitate to Beal and a Bertans or any, you know, some of those guys. And then usually like three guys on the other side. So what does that mean? We end up watching a lot more wizards, paying more attention to the wizards. So they've been, even though they stink, they have been a big part of the DFS framework all season long. And, uh, and, and here's the odd thing about it. I sort of like the wizards. I think, the potential of going forward, uh, I think they're going to improve. I mean, I've been real hard on some teams, but uh, this is one team that you would think I would be tough on, but I, I sort of like where they're going. Um, let, I'll go over a couple of statistical things, and then we can, you know, I'll, I'll try to back those up with some facts here. But Washington runs at the sixth fastest pace. So you know they're going to get their shots up, and that's you know increased steadily throughout the year. You know when they made the move to get rid of Isaiah Thomas, and I had been calling for that on every podcast since the beginning of the year. How many times did you hear me say Isaiah Thomas is done? Don't take him, don't roster him, and you know they eventually let him go, and now they've filled in with Napier and some guys that have made them better. So their pace, if anything, is is even you know going to be right up there in the top three by the time. Uh, things uh, finish now on the defensive side they still stink they're not 30th they're 29th so they did move past Cleveland but the the between the pace that they play and the poor defense you know Washington games have 
you know, nine, nine and a half more possessions in on average per game. Those are all def, you know, there's each possession. You've got about four and a half DFS points attached to it. So, you know, when, when we start talking about 32 to 36 extra DFS points in there in a ball game, uh, you know, that gets your attention a little bit. So I think Washington will stay on everybody's radar uh, that way as well. Here's here's an interesting stat, Michael, and here's where I'll throw a couple questions at you and see if you can knock this out of the park. Um, I, I predicted early in the year, I was 100% convinced that Bradley Beal would be a top five uh, in usage player in the league because I, I knew they'd run everything through him. He'd play some point. He's going to take all the big shots. And guess where Bradley Beal ranks in usage in the league uh, as of as we speak right now. So as of right now, he's probably top two. I think, I think only him and James Harden would be comparable. Well, it's close. He is fifth, but close, you know, he is still in that top five, but he's 34.4. When you start getting in the mid thirties, I mean, that's ludicrous. And, you know, if you're Harden and it's 40, uh, it's completely ridiculous, but, um, uh, Beal's been steady in that number all year long, and he does does it in, in not just scoring these 50 and 60 point games, but he'll get you some rebounds. He'll you know he'll do all kinds of stuff uh, uh, you know to to add some stats. Now we do know one other point about Beal that it's also a DFS key. If do you remember when we looked up shooting guards to see the d- defensive real plus minus? Oh yeah, he's uh he's not very and I and let me just throw this in there too. It's not even just you can notice this a trend with every player that has a usage that high except for maybe one and that's probably Giannis. Uh, yeah. They generally don't do too well on defense and it's because they're using a lot of their energy on offense. Right. Well, he's he's 67th out of 68 shooting guards defensively. So for anybody that's played that position this this year, so that'll tell you, you know. He is somewhat the Olay defense, and I'm going to get back down the floor and, you know, get some more uh, DFS points. So we love that. I don't know as a coach if I'd love that too much, but, uh, you know, I thought that that was a super interesting point. Uh, who do you th- here's here's the questions for you that this is what I thought was the most interesting part about this. This is where I'm going to try to quiz and stump you because it's just so bizarre that I got to ask this question. So the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh, okay, the next six players on the Wizards have between 18.3 and 18.9% usage. How is that? Isn't that the craziest stat? I got I, I got one to follow that up. So, And this just kind of speaks about, I think, this season and today's NBA landscape. Um, how about this, Coach? Ready for this? Out of the top 10 usages of all time, any season, dating back to the ABA, any season in the history of basketball, three players this season are on that list. And it is Giannis, Harden, Doncic, and just to, we, just to speak volumes, um, Beal's not too far behind them. And we're talking about wow. all time, three players in the 2019-20 season lead the all-time usage list. Giannis with 37.3. And you know, only Jordan in 86 and 87, 
is uh, is top five. So like we're talking about the players that they're in the names with. Westbrook and Harden both respectively are number one and two. Uh, 1819 campaign for Harden, 1617 campaign triple double year for Westbrook. Kobe, shout out Kobe, uh, yeah. 06. Jordan, 86-87. Iverson, 0102. There's Gee. no other players. Those are the highest usages in the in the history of basketball, and we have three players this season on that list. That is mind-boggling, but it's because of stats like this. You got Beal at almost 35%, and nobody else above can even make it to 19. So I'll give you the quick rundown on this group because it's not maybe who you'd all expect. It's Bertans, Mo, Mo Wagner, Hashimura, uh, Thomas Bryant, Ish Smith, Troy Brown, and that's it. So those guys, so nobody in that mix, you know, stepping out, you know, with, with Beal. Now, let me get to the reason why I'm sort of high on them. You would think, well, coach, what the hell? That that makes it sound like they suck compared to all other than Beal. But you've got dynamics here. You've got Davis Bertans that came from San Antonio as known as a knockdown shooter, but not to the level that he's been this season. He's been one of the top three-point shooters in, in the league, hands down, in that top five guys from the three-point line. And he's won some games for the Wizards. So his future super bright. I, teams were knocking the Wizards' door down trying to trade for him at the deadline, and they said he's going to be part of their future. Mo Wagner's a young kid that the Lakers gave away, basically, when they had to free up all that space for Anthony Davis. And he, you know, he's a kid with a lot of potential. Uh, Roy Hashimura is a guy we loved all year. I mean, he's he has showed he missed about 13 games because of an injury. But when he's out there, man, he can play the three, four or five and he can guard pretty much the same thing. And his just his unique skill set, I think, is going to make him a good player going forward. Uh, Thomas Bryant, we all know how intense he plays and with a lot of vigor and, you know, just really can make a difference, even though his role has come down a little bit. But, you know, these guys are all sort of just coming into their own. And then you added uh, Napier into the mix, who I think has just needed the opportunity to get consistent minutes. And then, you know, everyone forgets a little guy by the name of John Wall. You know, he's he's going to be back for next season and he's an you know, he's an all star player. Uh, whether whether he'll be at that you know level again, we don't know. But even if we get 75 percent of John Wall to mix with an all star in Beal and then you get a Berton stepping into a role of a very important, important part of the team and future development from guys like Thomas Bryant, Roy Hashimura, uh, Mo Wagner, Shabazz Napier, and then uh, even an Admiral Schofield or this Oz Jess Pasternicks. How's that for still being able to say some of the tough ones? Uh, he, these are guys that all have played some roles here and aren't bad players. They're good complementary players. You know, when you add a John Wall, plus they're going to get a top draft pick again this year. So if I was a Wizards fan, I wouldn't be completely dismayed. I think there's some potential there. Now, let's look real quickly uh, at their their contract situation. How about the money they have tied up in John Wall, dude? Do you yeah. know you know how much money he John Wall is scheduled to make the next four years? 
Uh, actually, I, unfortunately, I do because it's one of the worst contracts on the books right now. I think it's something like 120 million uh, over the next four. I, I could be a, a million you want, or two off. You won both showcases because it's 122 million 472 thousand. Yeah. So there, that stings. And then you've got Beals locked down for the next four years as well uh, for a, a mere 90 million. So they have that now. You've got the big thing for them is going to be re-signing Davis Bertans because he could become a free agent. Uh, but they do have early bird rights, so they can offer more money. They'll, they'll get him. They got him yeah. already because um, yeah. it's it's locked in. Like you said already, they they if they were going to move him, his his value price was at that trade deadline. They would have moved him. Um, right. They're going to lock him in, and you're going to get to it in a minute. So I don't want to I don't want to intrude on. Uh, what you're going to say. No, so I'll, I'll, well, Mahini's coming off the books and that's 15.45 million. Exactly. So once he comes off the books, it's going to be plenty of money that they can just literally throw at Bertans. They'll probably offer him about 12 of that, I would assume. Um, yeah. And a, a prominent role on their team. So that, that'll probably be enough for him to stay and, and with the acquisition. You got to imagine um, they're desperate after losing Otto Porter to get a, a decent wing defender, a decent wing player. So I assume that's probably where they'll go. But I want to yeah. hear uh, in, in the draft that is. I want to hear your thoughts on what they're going to do with John Wall coming back because uh, you know they do have a they do have Ish Smith on the books for I think it's like five or six million next season, and yeah. then Napier uh, they're going to have to make a decision. One of these two guys I think is going to stay. One of them is going to leave. Napier might command some money as a decent backup point guard. Uh, how do you think they approach this? I, I don't think they can keep Shabazz, and I, I I like him, but it's like we've said this like for five years now. The dude can play. He puts up DFS numbers. He's he's solid, but he's always in this situation, a one-year contract, and you know they've already got the money committed for two years with Ish Smith, and with John Wall coming back, he's going to be the odd man out. So I think somebody's going to pick him up, and he'll be a backup point guard, probably sign for a year again, and be in the same situation he's been for the last three or four years. But I agree with you. I think the expiring contract of Mahinmi is huge because, uh, you know, they were there were a lot of teams trying to trade for that, too, just so that cap space would open. But they'll use most of that money to sign Bertans. And with the bird rights being able to offer him, you know, more, they'll they'll probably offer him the most that they can. They do not want to lose him uh, by any stretch because he's he's on the books right now at seven. But believe me, he's going to get a nice big raise. So, you know, the rest of the guys, you know, they've got Hashimura on that rookie deal. So they got him locked down for, you know, three years with an option fourth. And then, you know, Smith will probably be the backup next year. And there are other pieces they, they've got locked down. They still have Troy Brown and, and Mo Wagner, uh, Bonga, Schofield. Those guys are all on, you know, rookie deals. So they can spend the majority of their money on on Wall and Beal and Bertans, and then Bryant's locked in for three years, uh, which is fantastic. I'm so glad for Thomas Bryant, though, man. He signed for $25 million, and that's a dude that was, like, in and out of the league, in the G League. It looks like his career was over, and but he's just such a scrapper. And, you know, he's only 22 years old. Isn't that surprising? He's young. It's just uh, Lakers give up on players too early, man, especially the bigs. They just give up on all the bigs well, way Mo too Vaughn's early. Well, Mo Wagner's only 22 as well. And there's for, a guy that can knock down a three. He's a stretch five. Don't forget about Zubak too. Gave away Zubak for knock for thing. Um, yeah. You know they've they've done this uh, a few times over the years, and it's generally because they're they're usually trying to acquire um, a notable free agent. 
they're one of those big market teams where everybody wants yeah. to play. So, yeah. um, you know, it's kind of hard to say, like, what are we going to do with them? Uh, might as well get something for a guy like that. And, you know, they just end up being a lot better than people anticipate. Here's the wild card I want to throw in there to you, though. They also get C.J. Miles off the books this year at $8.7 million. So now we're talking not only can they re-sign Bertans, they may be able to, if they can, lure a decent free agent in and mm. add another good rookie. So if they can add a decent free agent with that nucleus, if Wall's even close to where he was, there's and Hashimura and these guys improve, and they get a decent pick that can contribute initially, I think they can make a 7-8 spot in the playoffs next year, or am I crazy? Um, well, they're, they're, they could definitely probably get an 8 seed. I mean, they're only five and a half games behind the Magic as, we, as we're talking right now, and look at their team. Their team's been decimated all season long. We're talking about right. bringing some, some pretty big pieces back. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think the 8 seed is definitely in reach for them. Um, you know, the, you, you got to factor in, like you said, that Bertans contract. We don't know what he'd make. I'd expect 12 to 15 um, for him. It might only be like a one year with a one year option, something along those lines. And then you might I think see they're going to lock him down for three. I think yeah, they could. Sense. They very yeah. well could. And then we got to factor in the if they do get a high draft pick, that rookie contract, uh, obviously, if it's a top three or two pick, even number one overall goes up a little bit. So that's going to take some money. Um, if they're up there. So you'd probably be looking at like something like a, a veteran free agent. I don't think you'd get anything too promising. I don't think they'd have enough money. Uh, they get a promising free agent, but you could definitely get like a 34 year old veteran, uh, you know, maybe like a Trevor Ariza type player, one of those type guys that rounds out, uh, gives you that added, you know, 28 minutes a game. Um, right. Splits, <clears throat> right. Splits the time with that rookie. That, that's the approach I would take. If I was in the front office, go get that yeah. veteran wing player. Let the rookie learn under him. Split the minutes. Have them both be viable contributors. But uh, we we have to see what they, what's available for him in the draft. I mean, we're already seeing it. Some players are in college are opting not to not to go into the draft this year just because, you know, their stock could get hurt without training camps and stuff like right. that. So, yeah. uh, we don't even know what's going to be available. No, no. I'll, I'll tell you, though, there are. <clears throat> There's been a group that's just recently uh, elected, you know, to go because they they did say there will be some type of, you know, since there's no Olympics or or USA basketball this summer, at least once things get back to normal, they'll be able to have some type of, uh, you know, uh, camps or where they're able to come and show what what they've got a little bit. They'll do it almost like football does, which they usually don't quite do that way. I don't think it'll be like a combine, you know what I'm saying? I, I think so. I think those those guys will be able to be seen. Plus, the the guys that are really good, like that kid from Dayton and a few guys, the, there's some no-brainers in this draft that are pretty good, too. So we'll see. We'll see how it pans out. But that's mainly my take on the Wizards, man. I just, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. I think it's from the DFS standpoint when we get back to basketball, I mean, still keep riding that Beal bandwagon and still uh, keep, uh, you know, maybe grabbing a little Napier, a little Bertans, you know, a little. You just reminded me about something I wanted to talk about. Okay. Involving Beal and Napier. Uh, Beal's still playing point guard. Um, Just for those who kind of, you know, uh, they got another point guard or whatever. Beal's still playing point guard with him and Napier both on the floor at the same time. Napier's only seen about a 19.9% usage rate while Beal's actually goes up. He's with with Napier on the floor. He's seeing a 39.5% usage rate. So he's definitely still playing point guard. 
Um, it have to, it would take you know those situations of maybe Ish Smith sitting or something like that for me to target Napier or the just a perfect matchup. Um, but that's one of the things I know we were talking about during our shows with the season going on is whether or not he has the ball in his hands and his most effectiveness and his highest scoring games are primarily when he's playing like point guard pretty much and it's still happening. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, I don't think that will completely change till Wall comes back. But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. And you, you just wonder if Wall is going to be able to regain where he was because isn't it isn't it like two years he's been out? I, I feel like might, I haven't seen John good, Wall forever. To be honest, because he's a guy that, you know, I wanted to see him take more of like a prototypical point guard approach, like almost like a Ricky Rubio approach, because the guy can't shoot. He's never no. been able to develop a shot since he's been in the league. It's been something that if he ever puts it together, he'll be fantastic. But, I you know, think at this point a lot of his happen. burst is going to be gone. Um, so he's not going to be uh, he's still going to have burst. I mean, that's John Wall's game. But, uh, you know the knee injuries, the Achilles injury, all this stuff, it's going to take a lot of that burst away from him as well. So maybe we do see him just take a, a prototypical point guard role, look to set up his teammates a little bit more. I mean, he's always kind of been one of the league's leaders, lead, yeah. leading leaders in assists. Um, but now we're, we might see that a different type of game from him. And it's going to be an adjustment. It's not like you could just tell a guy, listen, come in here and play completely different. It's going to be an adjustment for him. I think we're going to see them kind of, uh, you know, maybe maybe even butt heads a little bit because Beal's still going to be chucked. If Beal's, he's the best player on this team. He's been the best player on this team for three years no now. I've been saying that. Uh, with Wall going down, we're finally able to see what this guy can do when he leads a team. And it's going to be having to Wall fall back into place now and take, uh, you know, be that second option. And he probably should more or less be like the third or fourth option on offense um, when he comes point. back. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, we have to see how he reacts, but not too many guys can come back from injuries like this and be the same type of player. Um uh, I, I mean, I'm 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 going on record right here. I think the injuries that he suffered over the past two seasons are worse than what Derrick Rose has faced in his career. Um, this is not yeah. going to be an easy task for him to come back from. So I'm not saying he's going to you know necessarily see his game drop off as much as Derrick Rose did, but it's definitely a possibility. Well, he turns 30 this year as well, so that that's not exactly a bonus side of things. So I don't know. We'll see. That's going to really dictate that whole rotational piece for the wizards and and how that all plays out but uh i don't think he's tradable i mean no one's going to take 122 million on a, no. a 30 year old guy that's got an achilles and, and major knee injury uh repair so hold on hold on he's tradable i just think- i just broke it down in my head the perfect trade that they need to do oh my god okay blake griffin Blake give one Griffin. give one injury guy up for it. I think Blake's not even making as much money as John Wall. If they could find they could find a way to make that work, um, because the Pistons desperately need to get rid of Blake Griffin, and the Wizards desperately need to get rid of Wall. I don't know, man. I'm not sure the uh, that that's two fat contracts. You're right. I guess that makes you know some sense. But uh, I'm gonna now you've got me curious. I got to go look at Detroit. Mm-hmm. And, and see uh, if it's I even close. Pistons haven't had a Pistons haven't had a point guard in uh, a Blake long time. Griffin is making like thirty six or something. Seven. Thirty seven. Seventy. Million. Oh, so over the next how many Three. years? Three. Right. So, so almost uh, an equal equal contract for those three years. Just yeah, gotta ma- match it up with the extra the extra season. Yeah, I mean. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I would think they're going to move Griffin. I just don't know if if that's something. I mean, you would think with those two big contracts, it would make sense. But we will see, man. 
Boy, those Pistons are really bad, though. I've got to tell you right now, just it's, they, yeah. I got a what, bone to pick for whoever made me have to talk. Now I'm just joking. I love talking about the teams that uh the they other sometimes stink. don't want to. That's actually my favorite. <laughs> I'd, I'd much rather talk about a team like the Pistons than I would a team like, you know, uh, the the Warriors or one of these teams that we everybody wants to talk about. Give me the guys that nobody likes. I I love finding those little hidden nuggets in there. Well, it's funny because uh, Dawson and I have a, a game. Uh, this week or a game, a podcast. And we ended up somehow on that, you know, usually it's two teams that are right next to each other. Well, there has to be one pivot over, you know, when it switches cause you're doing two teams a day. So I get the dead last, uh, golden state warriors and he gets the number one Milwaukee bucks. Now, how is that fair? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's the, the, the sun love he's getting, he's getting a little bit of, uh, the coach's son right there gets exactly. a great team on and the coach. Big dad over here takes uh, the worst team. but <laughs> uh, Like a dumbass, the words got out of my mouth, and I, I couldn't take them back. I said, who do you want, the Warriors or Bucks? Now, really? I mean, come on, man. <laughs> That's he'll, be, he'll be raking leaves in fall and uh, – Actually, I don't know, Texas, do you guys do you guys even see the leaves fall off over there? Does that even yeah. work? Is that, that's just the New England thing, I think, right? No, we don't have any leaves here, man. There's... I get the leaves falling over here. See, that's that's the bad part about being a New Englander. Mowing yeah. my grass during the summer, raking leaves during the fall, shoveling driveway during winter. It's brutal. Yeah, hey, I spent a lot of years up there, brother. I know, man. I like it. Like right now, today, it's going to be 80. Nothing wrong with that. Oh, I, got, I got nothing but clouds over here, my dude. Nothing but clouds. Okay. No worries, man. You're you're too busy to notice anyway. You're always on the run. Yeah. Hey, a couple car. of things real quick. DFSCoachTalk.com is our website. Follow us at DFSCoachTalk on Twitter. I am at Joe Sarvati, J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I. He is at M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A, at Mike Patria. And Andrew is at Language Olympic. Um you can catch us everywhere podcasts are, are heard seven days a week. We are on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeart, Spotify, and YouTube. We were in the top 170 uh, podcasts listened to on Apple Podcasts the last uh, last week for two of the shows. So that's exciting. We're, we're moving up the charts. So please keep turning in, uh, tuning in. Now, what we do need you to do, because this is key, rate, review, subscribe. Hit that little subscribe button, the little bell on YouTube. So when a, a podcast posts, boom, it's right there. You know it. It tells you, and you can listen. Because we do vary a little bit in the time of uh, of the uh, early afternoon that we usually post. So uh, best way to do that is subscribe. Um, and then we're, we have a monthly giveaway for anybody that puts five stars on iTunes and puts a little review. We're giving a month membership away. And that happens next week. We're going to draw for that. So uh, just, you know, keep keep joining in. You know, we're we want we're going to do a show every day of this entire uh, time away from sports to keep everybody's interest, uh, you know, give you a little distraction. And most of all, you know, we don't mess around. We're preparing to crush it. And that's what we say at the end of every show in DFS from day one when they come back. All these little notes you're making, you know. Uh, Aaron Gordon from today, different things, you know, uh, teams targeting against the defense of the Wizards and Beal and everything else. I mean, all those little notes you make 
are going to make a huge difference when you come back and build those first lineups. So keep tuning in. Uh, it's going to pay off. Also, you know, we always uh, support MambaOn3.org. That's M-A-M-B-A-O-N-T-H-R-E-E.org. Terrific uh, fun setup uh, for survivors from, from the Kobe disaster there. But uh, anyway, that is it, man. We've got everything covered. Uh, that's a couple of teams down. Now it's going to be fun the next, uh, like, three, four days. It's all playoff-level teams so we're going to get a little bit a uh, little bit better insight cuz there's going to be teams that are really busting it you know if you you and I talked about it on those preview shows too you know you look at Philly with 39 wins Indiana with 39 Miami with 41 Boston with 43 those are all huge tight races where if they play 8 10 or 12 or whatever games they play those guys can all shuffle around and, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people trying to get home court. And so these next uh, these next podcasts are going to be important to listen to. So that's it, my friend. Um, do you have anything else that you would like to add to the mix? No, man, I'm going to I'm going to just fade off into the sunset ever so slightly right now and say thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, and we will keep pumping out the content regardless of whether or not the season is around the corner or not. But let's keep this glass half full approach and just be prepared for whenever it is. Well, we know it's coming. So everybody needs to just, you know, don't give up hope that it's, it's, you know, is this ever going to end and they're not going to play again? No, it's, it's coming back um, for sure. Now tomorrow uh, the podcast is the Nets and the Sixers. So that has a little bit more interest to it, I think, for everybody as far as team interest. Uh, so that will be the, the podcast tomorrow. So we'll look forward to that. And uh, that is it, my man. Great job. Appreciate all the the good insight and just enjoy doing these shows with you on the weekends. It's good. Good time. Absolutely, brother. You know I'm always here on these Saturday mornings with uh, on my third cup right now. About to make another one. Oh, I don't know, man. You you may want to have two regular and then start going to decaf. As I'm just saying <laughs> that I think we may have to get take a vote from our listeners. Uh, you know, my, I think my they're, girlfriend they're would agree. She actually she gets actual visibly mad at me. She uh, wants- She's like, dude, I've never seen you drink water. She's like, you only drink coffee. She's like, how do you survive? You don't drink water. Uh, I don't, I don't reveal my secrets. Um, but no, I, I don't know. I don't. Hey, dude, I you know what? Coffee. Underneath the coffee, dude, how do you think that gets made with water? That's See, what I tell her. There's you're water. You're covered. You're yeah, covered. Yeah, and when you see me crack a beer, there's water in that. You know, I'm getting my water. It rains once in a while. I take showers. <laughs> I don't. I know. I heard rumors that wasn't the case, but you know, that's a different show. all right brother listen have a great day stay safe continue to uh self-isolate i know you've been working your tail off still but uh be careful i I mean you had mentioned you were uh had to work and go go to a spot the other day and oh man i was worried about you i thought you better be very careful because you're in that northeast hotbed area over there it's not nothing to play around with it's tough. A lot of people commute from uh, New York to Connecticut and vice versa. Same thing with New Jersey. And I it was up on UConn's uh, campus. I was up at the store. So, 
uh, luckily, there was no students on Storis's campus, so I got to dodge uh, the people. I was Heismaning people from six feet away. Uh, oh. They came near me, doing my six-foot uh, practicing distance. They'd be, you know, little Heisman stiff arm here and there. Yes, absolutely. Well, we, we need you healthy. We need you uh, raring to go when sports get back. So stay healthy, my man. All right, that is it. Thank you for joining us for a D- another DFS Coach Talk podcast. For my fellow NBA pros, Andrew Hansen, and my man, Micah Patry, I'm Coach. We'll look to catch you again tomorrow as we look to prepare to crush it in NBA DFS. Way to dribble up and down the court, just like I'm the king on the microphone. So it's Dr. J and Moses Malone. I like slam dunks and taking it to the home. My favorite play is the alley. Ooh, I like the pick and roll. I like the give and go.